0: You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Visit bpn.fm to discover more.
1: Broken records, the albums you wouldn't shut up about. Broken records, the music our guests can't live without. Like Judy, Barbara, Liza, Bette, Betty, Audra, Bernadette. We broadcast this podcast with hopes that someday we might. Welcome to Ben Rummelauer's Broken Records on Broadway World, Broadway Podcast Network, and Broadway On Demand. I'm your host, Tony
0: Yazbek. And, <laughs> and I'm here <laughs> with my lovely co-host, Laura Osnes. Hey, y'all. Ten minutes ago, I saw you. da 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 um, hey, y'all. It's so good to be here with uh, y'all and uh, my uh, lovely and oh, mall. And what? I, I don't know. So you say me all would be mall. Yeah,
1: yeah. How are you? I'm so good. Um, I'm okay. I'm fine. I'm mm, good. I'm well. I'm well. You sound
0: fine. I'm grateful. Thank you. Yes, yeah. You have to, you know, be grateful for the little things these days. Lonnie used to
1: say that, uh, fine, you sound fine about, like, um, whenever I would be, like, I guess we'd be, like, in rehearsal for something when I was his mm-hmm. assistant on various shows at, that he was directing, and... I, would I talk shit about a performer in our shows? Now that I'm saying that, I'm like, I feel like I didn't do that, but there must've been some that we had like a running thing about. And yeah. like, I would like get him like going a little bit, like down the negative road. And then he'd be like, she's great. She sings fine. <laughs> 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 and I don't know why years later when I would say that line back to him, thinking it was like
0: a fond memory of the good old days, he would be like, don't be mean. Don't we mean don't. She sings fine. I I want us to uh I want us to uh somehow incorporate that into our uh daily banter. Oh yeah, she sings fine. It was, she she's great. She sings fine. It was like Fun. in one breath. It was like she's great. She sings fine. <laughs> Who's someone that you would say just sings fine? Oh, lots of people. Um <laughs>
1: I don't know, like uh it's not even an insult. It's like, you no. know, who sings fine is like um Catherine Zeta Jones, Katie Huffman. hmm hmm
0: hmm I mean, honestly, frankly, Sutton Foster. Mm, I do not dispute that. I mean, to me, this isn't
1: really even what Lonnie meant. I I would say someone sings fine to mean that like they're they're solid. They're just not I, there's nothing about their voice that I am like
0: hard for yeah yeah i feel yeah <laughs> unlike some people yes and if any listen listeners of ours are hard for sutton we support that eh. do you know who i am like weirdly hard for right now oh i know but tell me again <laughs> no you don't know i haven't told you this oh not
1: elaine well that too but that's not weird because i've been talking about it non-stop for like a month right right
0: right. I'm like really weirdly into Tyne Daly's singing voice right now. Really? I I don't even know if I could pick it out of a lineup. It's
1: so, she's like, she's like, Have an egg roll, Mr. Goldstone!
0: (laughs) (laughs) I I love it with a bit of a, oh.
1: And, like, uh, like I know she has talked and, like, people have talked about how she, like, wasn't in good voice on, like, the Gypsy cast recording and how she, like, mm. sounded much better, like, most of the run than she does mm. on the album. But I, like, love her on the album. Like, I feel, <laughs> like,
0: just vocally... <laughs> Tyne Daly might be my favorite Mama Rose. No, no, no. You are drunk. You you will not keep that up. You will not say that tomorrow. Okay, let's just check in about this on the regular. This is a new segment. (laughs) Do we like Tyne Daly's singing voice? No, like, I'm sure I'll always like her
1: singing voice, but I want you to check in whether I will still stand behind this statement that vocally alone, vocally speaking, she is my favorite vocal performance as Mama Rose Judging by the vocals. Even more than Patty? Well, here's the deal with Patty is like it's a little unfair to compare Patty's vocal in Gypsy to anything because I feel like I am to Patty's vocal in gypsy the way Rose is to June's career. Gotcha.
0: <laughs> like, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yes, it scans. And like, so it's just like very fraught. Mm, mm, mm. Like no matter
1: what gifts Patty gives me in her performance as Mama Rose vocally, I'm always like, oh, but like we're, we didn't we talk about a Nintendo? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like I'm always gonna be just like nickel and diming her for like yeah. random like mean you can't even please me. I'm like no, I wanted you to go up at the end of some people. No, I wanted you to slide down like Bernadette. Like I just mm-hmm. I, I don't even know what the fuck I want. You know? Yeah.
0: Well, that Whereas luckily like, we have so many to choose from.
1: Time daily as Mama Rose. I'm always just like, why the fuck do I even have this? Oh,
0: <laughs> that's why. I don't even know if I've ever listened to it all the way through. She's definitely the Rose I know least. I highly recommend it. I'm going to have to take the journey. I mean, I recently, I mean, I know the, of course, the Merman and the patty, and I've heard the Bernadette, but I recently got the Angela one on vinyl, and I really love that one right now. Yeah. I mean, Angela and Tyne are kind of
1: in a category together in a way, because Mm -hmm. I feel like... Patty and Bernadette and Bette and Betty and Mm. Linda Lavin, Mm. like any of these like musical theater actresses who basically like grew up or I don't know, Linda Lavin's older than she looks like, you know, came of age, like Mm -hmm. um, aware of Gypsy. And like, yeah. you know, like they all like played like June or Louise, like when they were a kid, you know, like mm-hmm. they've always dreamed about this. So they're like, their rose is a little like their like prom dress or the, like their wedding day. And it's mm. like they're in their own way a little bit, you know, I mean, the same way I would be, you know, they're just yeah. like, they're like, this is how I'm going to sing some people I really want to. Ah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you yeah, know? yeah. Whereas like Tyne Daly's like, oh, you want me to come in here? Okay, <laughs> like, you know she's <laughs> like she don't know, you know, and like she's like she's like I, I, I thought I saw Gypsy, but it was it was actually Dear World, right, you know? right, and like there, you know, and it's kind of like you know, and Merman was just like, I'm just gonna say whatever the fuck comes out of my mouth, and you people write it down, you know, they yeah, were like exactly that's, that's Gypsy, but like um, I mean, not that she improved, but you know what I mean, like it's just like. I feel like Merman just kind of like defined it, you know, but like, um, but Angela was
0: the first, so there was no, like nothing to go off of. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And, and, and Angela, I think was very like, well, I'll approach it like a text. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Start with the text, dearie. You know, and you know, I mean, Patty says she starts with the text too, which is true, Uh, but you've got to believe that there's some gay man, like in skinny jeans in Patty's head being like, for sure. Being like, I don't want to interrupt you or anything, but can I just say what Bernadette did here? Okay, I'll wait. I'll wait. <laughs> yeah,
0: there is that. That's like the, yeah, the devil and the angel on Patty's shoulder. It's like the devil is the gay man in skinny jeans. But like, so is the angel. <laughs> <laughs> the angel. Well. Uh, uh, speaking of, uh, yeah, speaking of Bet, who, and I told you last night, as we watched this together, this was one of the, besides Bernadette, this was the only other corn stream we've ever watched together in the same room and you know we were trying to save most of it for the pod i was were so scared
1: i was so scared when we first started watching and we were like <laughs> We were like taking our notes, but we were like talking. I was like, this is a fucking mistake. This is not good. I know. And this I and I had, had to good.
0: I had to like hold off. And I had such like, you know, blue balls the whole time because I was like wanting to like comment on it. And I was like, nope, nope, save it, dd save it. I had like a whole philosophy going in my head that I was like,
1: you know, if I say something then I'm not going to write it down. And if Daniel thinks it was that funny or special, maybe he'll remember it and bring it up tomorrow. Mm. But, like, this is a lesson in me just, like, not, like, cherishing. You know, kill your darlings.
0: Yes. What does that mean?
1: That's, like, an expression they say, kill your darlings, that, like, when you're, like, writing, or I think it has to do originally with writing, but I guess it can apply to any kind of, like, art or creativity. Mm. That, like... um don't uh don't like cherish you know be like, oh, I got this laugh doing this one bit two weeks ago, mm. so I have to every single night slavishly make sure I get that you know, like just be uh free and you know serve the text in the moment, I don't know, I don't know if that's a, the best definition, but yeah, I gotcha
0: um anyway. What was I saying?
1: Well, we still haven't said that. What we are corn streaming today is Diva Las Vegas. Las
0: Vegas. Starring Miss Bette Midler, the divine Miss M herself. But I wish it was um, Ty Daily. Daly. No, I'm just kidding. No, you don't mean that. <laughs> I do not mean um, that. Not at all. So this is, I mean, it's so perfect that we're... It's her
1: 1996 concert.
0: Yes, so perfect we're doing it right after First Wife's Club because Bette is in peak form, physically, vocally, her career is skyrocketing. Her hair, her
1: clothes, her makeup, her harlets, her material, her marriage, her relationship with her daughter. (laughs) It's all Her relationship with
0: carbs, everything. Yes, 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 yes. Um... And I'd never seen this before. You know, I had seen, and I told you this last night, I've seen Bet at the Baths a thousand times. I've, you know, Live at Last, I know really well. But this kind of later bet phase, and not even later, like really peak bet. um, But I mean, like, how do you even say peak bet? Like, peak bet is like,
1: bet is so (laughs) multi-peaked.
0: I guess I'm just thinking chronologically. Like, uh, you know, there's... I think of, like, before this as being she was a little more edgy, like, a little more of, like, a, uh, you know, a rocker-ish. And then after this, it's, like, she came back and did Hello, Dolly! You know, she... I mean, the edginess pretty much died after, like... Like 82
1: or or even earlier really But you know
0: Yeah I mean in this one You know her big hit songs are Kind of these easy listening adult contemporary hits Like From a Distance A good reason to call this peak peak bet And maybe the reason that I wanted us to do
1: this As opposed to one of her other concerts Is because you know In one hand you kind of want to get her as young as possible Because you want to get her as close as possible To that edgy You know rock and roll And like you know sort of Counterculture comedian, whatever that she started Mm -hmm, as. mm -hmm. And you also, with singers generally speaking, you want them younger in the peak of their voice, you know? And But with a diva, you also want them late enough in their career that they have already had all their big hit songs, you know,
0: like. Very true. Yes, they have all of them to sing.
1: Everybody loves Liza with a Z, but she doesn't have New York, New York and Liza with a Z, you know, where the world Mm -hmm. goes round, And so this is bet she already has from a distance and she already has the wind beneath my wings, not to mention the older stuff like the rose and do you want to dance and you know, whatever, whatever, whatever. Um, I mean, the truth is really bet didn't have any hit songs
0: after this. And I was trying to think all of her big films were around this time or before, like, did she have any other big movies after that?
1: No, I mean, that there was a couple of flops. Like
0: the you know. wives. Yeah, you know, I mean,
1: and, and even that was an ensemble thing. I yeah. mean, you know, uh, she really, um, she was certainly at the peak of her career here. And, you know, yeah. if anybody would like to make an argument that a different concert was her peak as a concert performer, I'm sure that would be a valid argument. But you yeah. can certainly make a valid argument for this because I certainly felt last night, and I knew because I, I this was the, This was the Bette Midler concert that I watched religiously, you know, in college and, like, was obsessed with. However, I hadn't watched it in, you know, at least 20 years or something. And I went in knowing I was going to love it, but I loved it even more. I mean... Yeah,
0: I really loved it, too. And I was so... Even though I know Bette pretty well, at least for her recordings and her movies, I was so surprised at how just she's such a workhorse you know she's so energetic up there she she's running around the stage um I mean even the banter after some of these big numbers with a lot of choreography she's out of breath but somehow she like uses it to uh just complete uh the inner the the picture and, and the energy of the moment and I, I I just was really impressed by her um stamina
1: I realized, I'm glad you said the thing about being out of breath, um, and it has to do with her stamina, too, that um, bet, in a way, is like the perfect marriage of Barbara and Liza. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because, like, like, Barbara, to me, is someone that's all about being polished. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Bet is actually the most polished performer in the world. Yeah, she's very polished. But Bet is smart enough... And wise enough, or at least listens to her collaborators in a way that Barbara doesn't, or I don't know what you know. But Barbara's (laughs) idea of polished is some stupid, tacky, dumb idea. Yeah, which what she she thinks would be the right, perfect show is actually moronic. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and Bet knows that the perfect polished show is not one that hides her humanity. Yes. It's one that just makes all the smartest, best choices at displaying her humanity. Yeah, you know? yeah. And like Liza, Bet knows all those showbiz secrets, all the ways mm. to max, get the furthest distance on the least amount of gas, you know, when the voice isn't going to be there, how to phrase the line to get through. You know, she knows all those Liza tricks, but the difference is that where Liza is, Basically, is like her mom gave her like, you know, $40 to like go out to like the like, I don't know, to Disneyland or something. And she blew it all like on cotton candy as soon as she got there. And then the rest (laughs) of the day had no money. You know, that is somebody that absolutely knew exactly when she was going to need every single dollar and made it last, you know. Get it planned. So you know where Bette uses all those kind of like Liza showbiz tricks, she uses them in in a more polished way that is just like you know it's never well, it's so
0: economical yeah. you know it's it's like the it's like um you know it's like in vocal performance they say you know how you have to learn how to use your breath you know and yeah. and it's not about forcing it it's not about. Uh, feeling like you're working hard. It's just about the economy and, and how the economy and, and how you're, uh, you know, the amount of effort and and breath you're putting out in, in the streamlined fashion, you know, totally. and, and over time. And Bet seems to really pace herself. And it's, oh, yeah. you know, it's not like Liza who's, you know, in one number, she's doing a sprint, you know, a 20 yard dash and jumping over a hurdle or whatever. It's like, uh cross country or something, Bet is running the long race. She's doing yes, a she 5K. Is. And um and like you're saying, the tricks. The whole time I, I couldn't help but think about all those old Hollywood stars like Marilyn, like Jane Russell, who weren't dancers. You know, someone like Liza is a trained dancer, like an amazing dancer, but Bet, she gets by on these tricks with a lot of, you know, arm movements and like her funny little bet walk and um her hand motions. I mean, but it's all so uh, precise and choreographed, but it, it's never dull or it never comes off as crazy. No, because her, um, her, all her physical movement, just like her singing,
1: is so authentic to her and so yeah. expressive. I mean, yeah. the greatest thing about uh, Bets. I mean, I don't know. I'm just so in love with her. I, it's so... Yes, me too. That I mean, that walk is so... I just love watching her move, you know? Mm-hmm. And I really love watching her sing. Oh, and the, such a pleasure for me about seeing her do a show, a whole show, is that she, when she gets to all of her her songs that are her songs, you know, whether they're her number one you know, major pop hits, like From a Distance and The Rose or whatever, or whether they're just songs she's done on an album that might not, you know, be as famous, but as a fan, I I know her version. Mm -hmm. I love watching how she's going to sing it live because it's economical, but it's also artful. And Mm. it's, um, it's really, uh, I I love watching where she's going to spend that gas, spend that breath in the song, you know, Mm -hmm. where, where it's, where it's going to, you know, when she sings the wind beneath my wings, you know, I mean, that's a song that I've sung in karaoke. Why have I sung that in karaoke? I'll tell you why. Because like when I started going to karaoke, uh, you know, in San Francisco in the nineties, most places didn't have pages and pages of show tunes like they do nowadays. Mm -hmm. So songs that I knew all the words to were much more limited because they didn't have all those Broadway tracks. So I had to choose the very few pop songs that I actually knew all the words to. So that included wind beneath my wings. Right. Right. So that's a very vocally taxing song to sing. Now maybe it's a good key for bet as an alto and it doesn't go to like crazy high Mm -hmm. notes, you know, and then down the octave, it was like a more comfortable key for me who can't really sing, you know, but like, but still, it has those big vocal lines. And as like the amateur, like idiotic singer that I am, from the very first chorus, I'd be going, fly, fly, you know, just like <laughs> giving it all my all, you know? Yeah. And, um, but you watch Bette and it's, you know, she, it's so, I don't want to say careful because that makes it sound like it's not, um, full of feeling, mm-hmm. but it's, it's very well considered. And she knows yeah. where it's, you know, you know, someone like Liza, you know, or even like a Patty or a Bernadette or whoever, you know, they'll spend their breath in the sense of you obviously can't do that for the entire song. So you've just got to like build the number, which makes it more exciting anyway, to start smaller and gradually get bigger, mm-hmm. you know, but with that, it's like, she'll really make choices where, you know, Yeah. They'll just be lines that are mostly breathy, you know, or she'll use a lot of like the background vocals, you know?
0: Yeah. I mean, it's almost, I'm trying to think of how to compare it to like a paint, a painting or like a style of painting. It's like, Bette is so, um, uh, I, I don't know. It's, it's so nuanced and there's so many different shades, you know, it's, um, I don't know. It's not like a Liza's like a Jackson Pollock, like splatter painting, you know, (laughs) that's like, uh, I don't know, like a Monet or something. I, I, uh, or something that's more impressionistic, but, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's truly, it's thrilling because, you know, someone like Barbara, by the way, if we're talking about
1: the divas as paintings, Liza is 100% a Warhol. (laughs)
0: Yeah. I mean, totally on those. um, (laughs) So, I mean, if we're talking about someone like Barbara, I mean Barbara's so at, at one time she had like the greatest voice ever. And so she really kind of depended on that for like these really unnecessary riffs on so much stuff. And um, you know, just trying to use that as like the the moneymaker, you know. But what yeah. that does is that she really you're you're hanging on every word, yes, you know, you are. And, yeah. and you're really going along with her as she's telling this tale, as she's singing this song. Whereas Barbara, it's... I mean, you kind of said it last night, which maybe this is a good, you know, transition, but I loved seeing that last night on, on screen because you could see everything she was doing from her hands to her eyes to yeah. her... You could, of course, hear her. But, like, Barbara, you know, I've only ever seen her at Staples Center, Barclays Center, Madison Square. It's, you know, from the cheap seats far away. But you really just need to hear the voice. You know, you don't really, it's not about watching every move she makes because most of the time she's just sitting on that stool. (laughs) Right. Okay. Well, let's get into it. So, um, I just want to say from the very beginning,
1: I could not be fucking happier with the entrance. I mean, it starts. Yeah. There's like some kind of a flower or something like first, first the, the uh, dancers come out Mm -hmm, and, mm -hmm. um, uh, I don't remember what the music was that led into, I look good. Was it, oh, because she starts singing Friends. Yeah, you know? she just sings but like so a she, little bit. So she is like flying, like, you know, halfway to the ceiling, hidden, you know, revealed behind this rose, singing a slow ballad, you know, intro of Friends. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, and then it goes, you know, and and she's lowered down, and she comes out including right there she gives you the little bet waddle strut um, yes
0: immediately she gives, I mean, what she is gives that it walk you.
1: it's part Mick Jagger part
0: like um Shelley I mean, Winters it's <laughs> like and it's almost like it's a little moonwalky not in the fact that it moves backward but it's just like the way she coordinates her legs uh kind of one goes out and then the other one goes back and they're kind of like You know, back and forth. It's like a little bit moonwalky.
1: It's moonwalky in the sense that, like, her body seems to glide in 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 into the new location. It's almost like her legs are just choreography, but she's actually like on a
0: like electronic device that's shifting the position. Um, And the whole and the whole time, I kept thinking it looks. Like when when Bette walks across the stage and moves, it's like from the waist down, she's like a different person. And then with like the big wig and like the big smile, it's sometimes it's like from the neck up, she's a different person too. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Also, I just have to say right from the get go, I don't know if I'm mad at HBO or I'm mad at Bette Midler. I don't know whose fault it is that this fucking concert that aired on HBO is not available professionally we have to watch a fucking grainy ass daily motion link, or you can watch it on YouTube with like, uh, like, you know, some kind of, I don't know if it's Russian or some Cyrillic language, like subtitles, like, and they're all scratchy and crappy. And, you know, I don't, what is the problem? Why is this not available for streaming or purchase or download or what is the issue?
0: Yeah, that is, that is very shocking.
1: Anyway, I love, I love this opening number. I look good. Um, I uh, I love this whole I one of the things I realized watching her and I think it's part of the reason that I love this in some ways more than her edgier 1970s material mm-hmm. uh especially in terms of the more like stand up comedy type stuff as far as like what she's the stuff she says rather than sings but it informs the singing, cuz for example this song is very much in the thing which is that I think in the seventies, it was a little more like she was like, I'm one of the cool kids on the street Mm -hmm. and like, I'm, uh, you know, and she would refer to herself kind of as like a sexy lady with like big titties that obviously men in the audience want to fuck. Yeah. And she never was that to me. That was never how I saw her. I always saw her as an old Jewish lady, like my mother or my grandmother or something. (laughs) So, I never could really identify with her that much as like a cool kid, like talking to me, like with the hip commentary, mm-hmm. but here it's a little more like, it's me, your old friend, or like, you know, as Pixie would say, your cousin, Bette Midler, mm-hmm. you know? And she's like, she's like, you've known me for 40 years. And here I am to check in with you. Cause we haven't seen each other in a while. And so yeah. all this banter is sort of like, you know, even when she's doing this sort of almost hacky Kind of like very stand up y material about like, and it's so
0: 90s because it's so
1: dated about like, you know, I don't know, what is it like, portable phones and yeah, like portable
0: phones, the internet, yeah,
1: all that stuff, you know, and it, but it's, but I, I, I still enjoy it because it's like, she's like, oh, the last time I did a televised concert was 1990 and this is 1996. So so much has changed. We have to catch up on guys, you know? Yeah. And yeah. like, I really, uh, I really appreciate that. And, and, and the opening number just starts in that place. And it's, I love this idea of I look good because she does because yeah, she's she really is somebody is. that's been characterized somehow in her persona as like, you know, I don't know, fat or maybe not fat, but like not what, you know, society deems is what a woman would look like to be attractive or something, you know, and here she just looks so fierce and just so in her body and just so sexy and fluid and just, you
0: know, the tights, the high heels
1: and just, you know, I mean, you, you, however she looked in the seventies, you know, or even in the sixties, she certainly has never moved any more acrobatically and athletically and just, you know, fiercely than she does here. I mean, this is a, she's at a maximum physical form.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Um, I, I remember feeling like so depressed about it because like, I was like, Patty Lapone will never look or move this great, <laughs> and I think Patty, by the way, is way more beautiful than Bette Midler. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. For but sure. like, but just Bette's look. I mean, we make fun of the things she wears in the first half because it has this weird tail that hangs down.
0: Yeah, it's, it's so like, bizarre. It's like
1: these. I don't know if it's like black stretchy material or black velvet or something, but it's like these like black kind of like stretchy thick black tights and then in the same fabric this like short sleeved kind of like sexy well fit like top that like drapes over her breasts and then kind of like Mm -hmm. hangs loosely around her midsection and then cuts off just below her kind of like ass level except in the back it like goes down
0: like with this weird tail and yeah it's i mean it's it's it almost looks like a like a tassel that you put on like a a curtain or something. I mean it's like kind of the Carol Burnett Gone with the Wind uh curtain dress. It's like uh Except they made it's very this shirt subtle
1: in this like black fabric or whatever. You know, it's almost it's like it's very much that 90s bullshit like asymmetrical like oh, you know, it throws the eye and creates a longer line or something. You know, but yeah. but it's a little whatever. But most of the time you don't notice it. Most of it you most of the time you just see her in this like chic, form-fitting, flattering elegant, but also like, you know, and like sometimes like this nineties thing where they try to have it both ways to be sort of chic and elegant, but also a little bit athleisure ish. Mm -hmm. Sometimes the nineties idea of that doesn't gel, but this gels beautifully. It's exactly what you want her to be in. Even with like the strappy, like high heeled, like platform sandals. It's just, it's, it's everything I want a diva concert, especially a
0: Bette Midler concert outfit to be. Yeah, it's minimal, it's classy, but it's also she can move in it. Yeah, and but it's I really love it, love it, love it. Um and um, uh So then is the next song Miss Otis Regrets? Yes. And um I realized like it's kind of funny because that album was
1: six years old. Yeah. And it was a successful album. What uh what's it called? Some people's lives. Some people's lives. You know, and it's the album that had from a distance.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um but uh, but Misoda's Regrets is not... I don't necessarily think of that as one of her, like, standards.
0: No. I um, mean, that's just a standard.
1: And she does stuff... There's a couple other tracks, uh, tracks, songs she does in this mm-hmm. concert that are kind of like that, that are just, like, songs she happens to have sung on an album, but they're certainly not one of, like, her signature songs. And mm-hmm. I realized that's something else I love about Bet is that, like, you feel like all her albums, like... As an artist, as a singer, when she recorded those albums, she chose those songs because they really meant something to her. Mm -hmm. And they still do. And whether they became a global, game-changing, number one pop hit, like The Wind Beneath My Wings, or whether they're just an old standard she happened to cover on her album, they're a song that she loves, and that when she's putting together her concert, almost a decade later she might choose that song as opposed to Barbara who I feel like is just like in the game trying to make money and she throws the pasta against the wall and if the song's not a hit she divorces herself from it and you'll never hear it again
0: yeah absolutely absolutely um or or Patty who's like
1: no, we did that song in that show. Now I don't ever want to see it again. <laughs> <It's> like, totally. <laughs> like, oh, well, if you want me to do, like, coulda, woulda, shoulda, and Lady with the Torch in rap, then you'll get all the songs. But, like, that song, you know, it's, like, not, it's not so, um, it, you know, it's more contained within this sort of theatrical uh, framework. You know, whereas with mm-hmm. Ben, I feel like it's really, like, she's, she's, the concert could draw from any place in her long career.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's, you know, no better example than the next song, which is, as she says, did I sing the ballad yet? Uh, Spring can really hang you up the most. I mean, but speaking of going back to her old hits, I love that she not only goes back to the old
1: song hits, she goes back to her old punchline hits. I mean, (laughs) that's from Live at Last, right? Did I, did I, she's in the middle of like a long, like funny, like banter monologue. And she's like, did I sing the ballad yet? Was it wonderful? Those are wonderful. Um, and here
0: she says that just like as a throwback to that. Yeah, which I was like, I was like, is she recycling that? I mean, which I, I love. Think, I think it was supposed to
1: be like a comment on, like, you yeah, know, like a yeah, joke. Totally. But this audience, I mean, it's it's a little bit like misguided because, like, <laughs> you're playing like this enormous arena. <laughs>
0: Yeah, <laughs>
1: Like, that's the, that's the kind of bit that works better in an intimate, like, venue packed with just, like, mega fans, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, when you're Barbara or Bet or Cher or somebody, like, any venue can be packed with mega fans because the whole world are your mega fans. But I think this level of, like,
0: minutiae might have been, like, an overreach. Yeah, and in Vegas. I mean, it's, yeah, yeah. it's not like she's doing this in, you know, lower Manhattan. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, but this, this next song, the ballad spring can yes. really hang up the most this. I love, love, love this song so much. So and much. That was the first version I heard. And truly this song, I mean, Thighs and Whispers was really my true in with bed. And that's what really made me a mega fan. But spring can really hang up the most. That was the first, uh, song I heard of hers that really got me interested on the ground level. And uh, the or- there's a the whole orchestration behind it. It's uh, again on on some people's lives, and the way she sings this song is just so beautiful. I mean, her her voice has never sounded better than on this song, and she's so um, like I don't, I don't know. It's just it's, it's, artful. It's, it's
1: just it's that artful. She's, yeah, she she's
0: interpreting in
1: a way that's but it's it works on both levels. She is interpreting and telling you a story. Yes. But she's also, and I say this as a term of respect, she's a song stylist. And let me put it this way. She's a musician. So Bette is singing music and she's using her voice as an instrument to make beautiful music. It's not, um, you know, a lot of the singers that we talk about, the Patties and the Barbaras and stuff, like, Part of them is telling the story, and part of them is maybe showing off how great their voice is. Mm -hmm. But they're not necessarily like painting a picture with their voice in this way, you know. Yeah. Um, And bet really, and you know, I railed against Barbara comparing her to Bet on that old standard. For all we know. Not mm. the Karen Carpenter for all we know, which we love Karen and Shirley Bassey and Carol Burnett and random people yeah, doing. Yeah. But the old standard for all we know, which Barbara sang at the concert in '93 and just does a worthless version. Oh, just the a, worst. an artless, heartless snooze fest take on the song. <laughs> yeah. As opposed to Betts, which is on. I think is that on the or the, per- boys. Or the boys is the opposite. I mean, I didn't even think it was a good song until I heard Bette's version. That's just exquisite, you know? And, and, and it's, it's the, kind she's that kind of song is the kind of assignment where she really shows up and does that kind of a performance. And that's exactly what spring can really hang you up the most is. And, um, it's just, it is exquisite and it's, um, it, it's amazing that she does that live.
0: Yeah. And like I said, she just sounds so good. And, and also worth mentioning is she doesn't just sit there and, and sing it. It's, it's a very involved, uh, staging. Yeah. Of, with Like lying know.
1: on her back and like, yeah, you know, yeah. But
0: Being filmed from above and I, then she steps one foot off the step. Right and then she ends away, up. Like, <laughs> very few performers could pull that off
1: like i you know it's not really their brand but Patty or Bernadette or Liza, or even in some ways Barbara, they could do the comedy bits Bet does. Maybe they wouldn't do Bette's comedy, they'd have to do their comedy. But they could do that kind of stuff. And if they'd got off their asses and learned theography, I mean certainly Liza does choreography, they could do the big numbers Bet does, you know? Mm-hmm. And obviously they all can sit on a chair and, you know, and just sing the fucking song, you know? But I don't think any of them could do this what is this, their eyes were watching God? I mean, she's lying on her back, like, seeming to, like, pull the, the stem, you know, the, the petals from a flower. I mean, it's, like, this very kind of heavy-handed, like, poetic, mm-hmm. um, y- you know, it's a very arty... I mean, she's really putting herself out there and, like, you know, it's a strong choice what very they do with choice. this number. And I don't think any of those people could do something this frilly...
0: Right, no. I mean, And yeah, that
1: does it and pulls I, it off 100%. You don't doubt her for a second.
0: Can you imagine Barbara lying down on
1: the stage? I mean, the sad thing is like, well, not lying on the stage. I can imagine Barbara making these kind of Laura Ashley choices. Oh, for sure. But if Barbara did something this Laura Ashley, it would be so offensively bad that even Barbara would probably think better on it, you know? But Bette really gets away with it. I mean, it's just lovely and interesting and different. And it really goes well with the artful way that she sings the song.
0: Yes, absolutely. Um, And then next she sings Bed of Roses, which is another kind. Yeah, I guess another ballad. And then. And by the um way, I
1: mean, that too, it's like it. that's another one. It's the same with the song that preceded it. And they go with um, Spring Can Hang You Up The Most and they go well together in a sense. They both kind of have the same mood. And both of them, and especially Better Roses, because that's more of a quote-unquote pop song and it's from her Mm -hmm. album, Better Roses. I mean, it's sort of 90s pop, you know, 90s 90s alternative pop. So it's not really in the vein of like from a distance or whatever, you know. Mm -hmm. But it's... um, but it's so that, like, singer-songwriter-y kind of alternative pop, it's almost hard to imagine out of context that that song would fit so well into a Bette Midler show. I mean, don't forget, this is the same concert where a few minutes later she's going to be dressed as a mermaid on an electric wheelchair making dick jokes, you know? Yeah, yeah. But, but Bette Midler is so able to encompass all those things together, and this is absolutely exquisite. I mean, it's it's it makes me appreciate the song in a way that I wouldn't have, even though I love it on the album bed of roses, but I wouldn't have thought that a live performance would be so captivating.
0: Yes. And it's also a
1: really, really impressive vocal. It's one thing for her to do that on the album, but there was, I think I pointed it out to you while we were watching it. There was a line where she was like in chest voice. And then she goes up into this, this mix voice or even like really uh, almost like a pure head voice. And then goes back down into the chest register without any breath, and finishes the end of the line in chest with flourish. And it's yes. just such vocal, authoritative confidence. Like confidence. You know, think about, for example, Patti Lapone has a better, stronger voice than Bette Midler. Mm-hmm. If you had to take Patty LaPone's lungs and diaphragm and Bette Midler's lungs and diaphragm, and you had to choose one of them to last you for like an hour scuba diving, you would probably choose Patty's, right?
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: And yet, even Patty, who can blow the roof off the place by exploding into a enormous. Ex- crazy loud belt note in a straight toned chess voice on a very high note that goes bigger and louder and longer than you would have expected. And when you would have thought it would be over, then it releases the vibrato. And even then the vibrato sort of cascades longer than the orchestra is even playing. And you can't believe she did it for that long. There's still a little sense with Patty of doing it that somehow gravity is involved kind of the way like an amazing acrobat does a flip. You can't believe they did a quadruple flip, but they're still sort of in a way they're racing against the clock of gravity. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Whereas with bet, there's something about this that is so artfully planned that it's like, she seems to just be completely in the driver's seat in this way there there's the gravity is not factoring in it's like she's just painting one stroke after the other it's it doesn't it it doesn't have the tension of the thing that Patty Lapone does which get you know so it's i'm not shitting on Patty obviously but I'm just saying there's something that's so um it's so without tension it's just like she sings to the end of that line in this way that is just so calm. And it just enables her to just do something that a lot of them couldn't do. And yet singers that do that kind of calm, artful singing tend to be more boring and don't have that
0: theatrical prowess. Yeah. Yeah. It's a nice balance. I mean, yeah. she she's truly an artist. You know, she's not just one of those performers who's like a vessel, you know, no, or, exactly. or like a voice. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so then we go into this, which I have never heard this before, and I was loving it so much. She talks about um, movies and the First Wives Club, which you know was a big, big hit, um, box office success. I and, and all,
1: all the stuff about the testosterone kings being toast yes. by Sunday, naming names of. I mean, it's funny because she says the people that were stars, box yeah, office, so funny, Bruce Willis, Steven Seagal, but like. But I just, it really, I mean, I love that her production company was called All Girl Productions. Mm -hmm. And First Wives Club is this Bette Midler, Goldie Hawn, Diane Keaton. I mean, we were talking about when we corn streamed it, how we were taking it from the patriarchy and proclaiming the actual, like, classic that it truly is. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and I love that Bette is leaning into that and embracing that in this moment that, you know, they were they were not supposed to do better than those big testosterone movies that they opened against, but they grossed a hundred million. And, you know, I I love that it's this like, um, uh, power for, for women and gay men moment.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, so she sings, everything's coming up grosses, obviously a parody of, uh, everything's coming up roses. And um, going into of course thrilling, you don't know me thrilling the signature every, song. Everything's coming movie. up gross
1: is I have to say is maybe the best. I mean, I was like squealing with delight. I it's mean so good. I'm in a hit, a big fucking hit <laughs> and baby. You know, everything's coming up gross is for me, so fuck you. It's so incredible. I yeah, mean, it's amazing. I just love her, just like savoring that. And yes, and then you don't own me. And that, by the way, you don't own me. Oh, I meant I didn't do my homework. I meant to compare it to how she does it on the For the Girls album.
0: Mm, yeah, because I couldn't I remember that was on there. I-, I
1: couldn't remember how that was on that album. But it's anyway. But it's a great version of You Don't Own Me. And um, it made me really mad
0: that this was not an album. Also. Uh, You mean this concert? Yeah, this should have been a live concert. Yeah, it really should have been. Um, You know, I just, it's so also interesting thinking about not only is Bette, you know, legendary. She started out as a live performer, you know, with kind of the comedian uh, stand up chops. And she's also a best selling recording artist, but she's also a movie star. And it's like those three threads she kind of weaves together to Mm -hmm. create this braid of. You know, yeah, I like that. showbiz, fabulousness throughout the night. And and whether, you know, some of her fans like us are, are a fan of all three of those elements. But some are just fans from movies. Some are just fans of her uh, music work. So, you know, there's something for everyone. But the way she weaves it all together and uses each of those elements of her uh, self and her identity and um, persona as yeah. a star and a singer and an artist um, and creates a show like you're saying that's so artful but so high energy and entertaining it's just really extraordinary and, and you know props. I mean that is just so unique because
1: she um, she was born and became a star in a time when we no longer had the kind of entertainment where somebody could just be like a singer and a star and do these big mm-hmm. shows and be huge you know and yeah. like the old school sort of, you know, in the era of rock and roll, you had to be a musician and you had to be a songwriter. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, Barbara became famous so young that she kind of got in under the wire. Yeah, um, that's a good point. And, you know, Bet was able to be enough of a rock and roll singer and enough of a counterculture figure um that she in a way got in under the wire too, even though it was, you know, 10 years later or whatever. And, and then and then she was able to become a movie star. Not the, you know, Barbara was a movie star in the 60s and 70s as a romantic leading lady. Mm-hmm. Bette Midler became a movie star as an above-the-title uh character actress in the 80s and 90s, you know. And, like, so it's such a weird patchwork that made her career. And the fact that she's able to have these live shows that utilize all those things and sell out in Vegas or Madison Square Garden or wherever, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's the thing that eluded Liza, you know? Like,. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Liza in a way sort of started off on like the Barbara track, but she didn't get in as well. And then, you know, uh, you know, not as successfully Uh, or, you know, it ended and she wasn't able to translate it into the pop hits that Barbara had or the eighties and nineties comedies that bet had. And so, you know, even at Liza's peak, she was playing radio city, not Madison square garden. Mm-hmm. and you know mm-hmm. that's a difference of what like 15,000 seats
0: yeah yeah um and it's also worth mentioning bet is you know in this uh concert i'm sure on hbo it was i mean it was on hbo obviously so it was mature content uh but you know she drops the f bomb a lot um she makes jokes about sex and her tits and all this kind of off color humor but then you know she's also no like I knew her of course as a kid the first time I was ever I ever knew who bet was was because of hocus pocus mm-hmm. which is disney and uh when I saw her at madison square garden uh it was the for the girls tour she did this whole hocus pocus bit with like the costume and the house and i mean and i mean she has such a, a range of not only appeal but like what she can get away with you know it's like she's a She's done Disney movies, but yet she's also a raunchy, like back in the day, like this kind of sexed up, like uh, you know, foul mouthed comedian. I don't, I don't know. It's not like people who are like, well, we're not going to go see her because she's too dirty, or she, I mean, that is is so, someone that's like a household name as well as yeah. you know, kind of yeah. this edgy, uh, kind of groundbreaker from back in the yeah. day. Well, and she jokes about
1: it how like now she's got to be respectable, you know. Um, but I mean, you know, that was the change. I mean, when she went, when she made the Rose and then, you know, started doing all those movies in the eighties and stuff, Yeah, you know, uh, you know, I mean, beaches was a more family esque film in a way than, yeah, stuff. Beaches, you know, too. It, she had, she did change her, um, her, her, uh, limits a little bit, you know, I mean, also she was older, you know, and she was a mom and whatever. And it was the eighties, yeah. you know? But um, although I have to say, I, she did a bunch of material on this about sort of like making fun of like political correctness Mm -hmm. and her nineties take on that. I enjoyed, whereas now I have no patience for that when people do that, including her.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, I thought that was interesting to notice. Yeah. It was like the, Oh, I worry monologue. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I worry. And then she would go off on something. Um, And, okay, so then she sings The Rose. And I have to say
1: that if you had asked me from my memory or just my expectations going to watch this for the first time in 20 years, whether The Rose was something I was excited to watch her do, I would have said absolutely not. Mm. And I could not have been more just staggeringly moved by it. I thought it was so gorgeous and expressive and moving. And I realized, like, that is one of the few people that I can really enjoy an inspirational ballad from. Mm. Like... When Bette, so I guess it go, it's it's along the same lines of like enjoying the Laura Ashley, like their eyes were watching God choreography for Spring can really hang you up the most. Like mm-hmm. I will just give Bet a long leash and maybe it's because she's foul mouthed and edgy. So she's kind of earned the right to be sappy
0: too, in a way. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's like, you know, it's a balance. It's like, you're, you're kind of ready for this now because she's given you these high energy uh, performances. And then she kind of goes to this moment of, okay, it's a little, maybe it's a little sappy, but it's quiet. It's, but it's it's
1: not just the the balance because other people could balance it and then they wouldn't get away with it. It's there's something Mm. about her. What's special to her is that she can actually really fill both of those spaces in an authentic way. And it made me wish that bet had played the witch and into the woods because Mm.
0: I mean, she would prob- Ooh, she should have been it in the movie.
1: She probably would have some like cheesy mugging moments that would be annoying. Um, although she would be pretty hilarious in like the rap and stuff, but when mm-hmm. that would sing children will listen, I would not be like mm-hmm. ah, a third inspirational ballad in a row. I would be
0: like, so excited to hear her do it. Um, Ugh, I would love to hear her sing that song anyway. Yeah. She still should. Yeah. I love that. And There's some. There's a part of the rose that always gets me. It's it's uh, if it's like a dissonant chord or like a minor. I don't know how to just how to the right word for it. But it's on when she's things taken. It's like da 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 won't be taken. And there's some sort of suspension or chord change or something that happens there Mm. that is just so beautiful. And that part always always gets me a little pang to my soul. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, okay, so then we, she does a, her first costume change, I believe. Yeah. And she, well, she, I mean, it's kind of, she just puts on this little uh, um, kind of empire-waisted dress over her existing <laughs> like costume. Yeah, it's right, a Yeah. A of, short, a short <laughs> A short <laughs> muumuu, a yeah. And then uh, she talks about gypsy and burlesque, uh, which she describes as vaudeville with an X rating. And... Well, then she does it, that number, pretty legs and great big knockers. Yes, which yes. goes on for
1: a very long time with a lot of burlesque business uh, interspersed. Yeah, and, and it goes on way too long, it's and done she does well. But Bernie and Louie. It's I, I for me, this section was too like. Yeah, I I think that like this didn't work for me. It was the first time I was like disengaged because it felt like it was literally. She's just like, well, wow, we got to entertain them, so let's think of stuff we can do. Yeah, and I need higher stakes. I need to feel like you're actually there's something important that you want to convey to me. Even if it's just comedy or something, but it has to feel more like it comes from a personal place of 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 investment.
0: And this just feels like it's just just shtick for shtick's sake. Shtick. It's very shticky. However, And I was feeling so disengaged and so bored because it was going on so long. But then she ends with that blind man joke, which was so funny funny. that I kind of forgave it a bit. But um, then she sings the I, I just wrote down the doctor song by Mark Shaman. Which I cannot remember what that is. Oh, I it's like man. a
1: doctor, a doctor. She's married, daughter's marrying a doctor. Yes, 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 she did it
0: recently on some like a uh, COVID thing,
1: and, and so did Mark Shaman actually. It's a great song. It was actually easier to appreciate on YouTube than this concert where it's sort of sandwiched in and it's just like goes by really mm-hmm. fast. Um, but it's a very, very funny Mark Shaman song. Um, but it's that's just kind of part of like the bigger like pretty legs and great big knockers like medley section, isn't it? Yes,
0: yes. Because then, then she does the dance with the girls with the pasties on their tits, and yeah. then and it's very. I, I, I was right. reminded in that moment of Liza at Radio City where she has all those ladies up on stage with her, and but she's you know like what? frazzled uh, trying I, to organize. I'll them. Give this
1: to Liza. Liza's thing with the ladies, however cheesy the conceit may have been. It was at least a conceit that gave it context. The story was that Liza was doing a live concert and these girls were interrupting it and they wanted to be in the show and then they won her over and she let them be in the show. And Liza committed to that 100,000%. And I was completely invested in that moment. And this just felt like showbiz bullshit. I, I really, I, I I think I like that comparison because I think the Liza thing
0: worked much better for me. Yes. Yes. You're right. Uh, and then act one closer, mm. which I was so surprised that this was like the closer of act one Rose's turn. Yeah. And I loved it. I mean, uh, I, like I said to you last night, I have not seen Bet's Gypsy, which I can't believe. So that's, next on my list or we could even corn stream that but um, as i said there are several gypsies we could corn stream (laughs) true that so uh you know it's so funny i'm pretty sure i have to go back and check the receipts but i'm thinking did barbara close act one with rose's turn when she was at uh back to brooklyn at barclays maybe but didn't barbara do like a bullshit like not really rose's turn it was like a medley i think but fucking barbara Oh my God, now I'm going to go back and look. I, I maybe Barbara's I'm just like. Up. A lot of people have said they would love to
1: see me sing Rose's Turn. So we're going to do 45 seconds of it. <laughs> yeah,
0: I'm going to sing it all right. Um, Okay, so act two opens with uh, one of my favorite, favorite Bet songs, drinking Again. Mm. And it's a complete, there's a complete tiny little set happening. There's a a bar that she's sitting at and a sign behind her that says karaoke tonight. (laughs) And then uh, she's wearing some sort of like a wool coat that's like buttoned up to her chin, which I immediately clocked. I was like, there's some sort of um, (laughs) costume change or reveal that's going to happen and sure enough drinks again and then she sings MacArthur Park is that right yeah well it's like a you know it's, a it's like a mashup and a medley yeah yeah uh, and where then I loved, she cuz
1: and she had a really funny line in that where she's like she's like cuz it took so long to make it
0: <laughs> yeah <laughs> and sure enough uh, she she whips it out and by it I mean her mermaid tail and we <laughs> go into the Dolores Delago section also long <laughs> Also very long. Although funny enough, at the end of it, she does
1: New York, New York. Um, um, yeah, I forgot that. And I was like, is this the, I mean, she as a joke, you know, it's Dolores with the girls. I mean, it's not like she's stealing Liza's number or anything. Right. But, um, but I was like, is this actually the only Candor and Ebb she's ever sung other
0: than like people's fantasies of her doing the movie of Chicago? That's a good question. I mean, off the top of my head, I can't think of any others. Me and But yeah, I mean, I will say I I did enjoy watching her jump around and move around the stage within the constraints of the mermaid tail. Because it was pretty impressive. I mean, that can't be easy to keep your balance. Um, But I do think, you know, I mean, that kind of bit with the mermaid tail was one thing. And then when you put the mermaid in the wheelchair, that's another thing. So I don't know, it was kind of too many bits for me. And then, yeah, the wheelchair choreography at the end, it it did kind of drag on. But within the Dolores section, we get some great songs. Oogie Boogie Bugle Boy... Boogie, woogie, boogie Boogie Boogie. <laughs> boogie Boogie Boy. Boogie Boogie is a uh, Nightmare Before Christmas. Uh which is on the the album Divine Miss M. Divine Miss M. That's and then one of get, her
1: hits, weirdly enough.
0: Weirdly enough. And then we get Well, uh, I don't know if it's a hit, but it's one of her signatures. And then we it ends with kind of like a stunt. Like she is being held up by the girls and then they kind of flip her over in the air. It's again pretty impressive. Yeah. And then she does a weird bridge over troubled water where she's the girls are lined up and she's laying across their back. That was the whole joke of like with the girls. I mean, that was yeah. like, that was like MacArthur Park. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then greatest love of all is that the last one she sings in that. Yeah, bit? I mean, you know, it was all like I I gave her license to drive. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, and another thing about her career that's so interesting is because all this shtick and all the characters that she's developed and, and used over the years. I, I don't know if inside joke's the word, but it's like if you're a bet fan, you get it. And that's a way you're like, oh, yeah, she's doing Dolores now. Or, yeah. oh, yes, now she's doing, like, the Soph and Ernie bit, you know? Yeah. And that's, like, a touchstone. It's like, um, I don't know, a little special moment she has with the audience because she's, like, bringing it back. And yeah, it's these things that she's developed over the years that's not just based in her hit films that everyone's seen, you know? Right. So you kind of have to have a full bet history to fully appreciate. Yeah. Okay, then she does ukulele lady, which that's on Bathhouse Betty. Yeah. And when did that come out? When did that album come out? Like ninety-eight. So that's after this. Yeah. So she was just, you know, kind of testing material. Yeah. I love that song though. And I, I love anytime
1: she does anything Hawaiian, but I love that song and I love that album.
0: Yeah. I Me mean, I love that album too. That's a great summer album. I mean that I mean Thighs and Whispers obviously is my uh uh, higher power, but Bathhouse Betty is when I listen to a lot when I'm walking around the streets in the summertime. Yeah, and then we get another new dress, and we get from a distance mm, inspirational so power ballad. The belt was in peak form. Truly, I mean that's I've always loved Bette's singing voice but I think maybe because I know I've listened so much to her early recordings and bed at the baths where she's just so like balls to the wall, kind of screaming. And that part of me always kind of thought she knows how to use it, but it's not necessarily like a, a beautiful trained voice, but throughout this whole concert, it's, there's never, she's never flat. She's never, um, she's a better musician than most Broadway belters, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, it's yeah. two hours of singing. She never once falters. I mean, no, it's, it's not at all. Very impressive.
1: I mean, it's funny. Cause I actually knew her more from the sort of like warm, syrupy eighties pop ballads than I did mm. from, I, I, I had to then discover on my own, the raunchy, campy rock and roll Bette Midler. Um, so, I mean, I really thought of, like, this kind of voice and style f- first, you know? Mm. Um, but it is, but it is just impressive to just see her do it live, you know, because it is so warm and, and expressive and beautiful all at the same time.
0: Yeah, and you know it's live. It's not, you know, you, it's nothing to do with the production yeah. or, you know, studio editing. I was wondering, like, do you think Bette believes in God? I think so. I mean, I think if you asked her, she would say, yeah, I mean, in like a very kind of new agey from a distance way. Yeah, I hope it's like that and not just some like rote, like I'm Jewish. You know, like I said, I have a lot of religious family members, Christian family members. And, you know, this song could kind of have a Christian bend to it. Oh, I for think- sure. I mean, there's no question, bet. I I
1: was I when I said Jewish, I meant in terms of her personal beliefs. If there's one thing, there's one thing I know. Bet would be smart enough to do is if she's recording an inspirational, quasi-religious, spiritual
0: ballad, she would make sure it applies to the largest section of the population. Absolutely. But like I know you know certain of my family members who love this song were like, "Well, but it's still it's not really theologically sound because God's looking at us from a distance, like He's actually in our hearts, blah 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 blah. So I mean, if, if you're thinking about it from that perspective, I know a lot of um, hardcore religious folk who would not you know. Yeah, that's agree with it. I mean that would probably be any really I mean the, anyone that puts that
1: kind of like a literal like test to the song. I mean it's not a you know
0: um theological song. I mean, you know, it, <laughs> right, exactly. I mean, it's like Barbara's uh second Christmas album which I don't really love, but she has that song called One God and I remember like in the in the liner notes she was like this is something I believe in, the idea of oneness and unity. You know, so it's very um, broad and watered down. Yeah. Um, Speaking of From a Distance, do you think Barbara, whenever Bette had such a hit with this, she was like, um, you know, I think I'll have um, Alan and Marilyn Bergman write me a song called From a a Distance. And it'll be about my relationship with the audience. (laughs) (laughs) Can't get far enough away. You know, that's how she wants you to see her. You know, faux show. Okay, so Bette gives us the inspirational power ballad. And then... She she gives us a little, I don't know if you call it dessert, but for me it was, because she sings Do You Wanna Dance, mm. which I fucking love this song, and um, did not disappoint. Yeah, totally. I mean, like you mentioned earlier her breathiness. I mean, this is one of the songs that, Do you wanna dance? Exactly. You know, and the way she styles that is so divine. So, the so divine Miss M. Then... To Comfort You, which was an interesting choice. From I thought Bed of Roses. Bed of Roses, which I love that song. Me too. But again, it's that very um, kind of cheesy 90s alt-rock, alt-pop uh, feel. Yeah. And uh, I always love to listen to this song uh, when I've been drinking and I'm laying in bed trying to go to sleep yeah. for some reason. I mean, I, I guess I have to agree with what you say.
1: I, I just love that album so much and it brings me such happy m- s- like nostalgia so i was just happy to hear it um but i guess there are actually are other songs on that album i
0: would have rather had her do live what year was that album 96 or 97 so it was between uh some people's lives and oh sorry 95 95 okay so but it, yeah so between some people's lives and bathhouse betty is that right yes mm-hmm. okay then she sings stay with me baby yes she does which, again, just commits and goes in, and it's like she's you know in her twenties again. I mean, it's it's really really incredible. I mean, you know, I like I said before, to be a star
1: in the rock and roll era, you really needed to be a songwriter and a musician. I mean, a, you know, a mus- an instrumentalist almost. I mean, there was very you know, it you, when you think of like a. um you know, I don't know Joan Jett or Stevie Nicks or Tina Turner. Even which well, mm-hmm. she's a little more like from the R and B roots. But you know, mm-hmm. it. You know, Bet isn't what those people were. But when Bet sings a rock and roll song, nothing that she does could be done any better. Yes, yes, like absolutely. Maybe she didn't. She isn't who you had to be to be a rock star but mm-hmm. the way she performs rock and roll is of the quality of the greatest rock and roll stars. Yeah, um, absolutely. I mean, and that's was, the reason, by the way, that over the years she had collaborations with the Bob Dylan and, mm-hmm. and Mick Jagger and, um, uh, you know, um, fuck, uh, Randy Newman. And, oh, yeah. and, and, and I mean, everybody like, um, you Do know, you think I think
0: mean, she, did she didn't make Jagger fuck. Am I making that up? Maybe I don't know. I don't know why I feel like I've heard that. Anyway, maybe not. I mean, I feel like Mick Jagger
1: fucked everybody, but I didn't think that Bet did, except maybe in the seventies for a little while. But uh, I just love her singing of this, and I—I I, I told you this last night that when I saw Bet, um, the one time I've ever seen Bet was at Madison Square Garden in t- nineteen ninety-nine. It was the Divine Miss Millennium tour. And it was just a couple years after this. And I had been so obsessed with this video and I went to that with really high expectations and I had really bad seats and I felt really disengaged from pretty much the whole show. And then right near the end, she, and I felt like I couldn't connect with her you know so far away um mm, but right so near the end <laughs> exactly she sang from a distance um but right right near the end she sang stay with me baby and it was as if she was sitting on my lap i mean it was so uh, you know transfixing and and seeing it in close up in this video is no less so I mean it's you know totally so so powerful and thrilling and
0: it, you know it's just it's 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 everything you would want it to be. Okay, then we get, I guess, the closing number, When Beneath My Wings. Yeah. It's funny, I was thinking in terms of that song especially, like, I wonder how much of the way
1: I feel about Bette compared to the way I feel about Barbara um, is influenced by the fact that Barbara never had a pop hit when I was old enough to know or care. So... To me, Barbara is somebody who had pop hits in the old days mm. uh, and had been a Broadway star and now was sort of, like, easy listening. And, like, I liked her old work and I liked her new stuff as a little bit of, like, a camp curiosity.
0: Mm, yeah. You know, and,
1: and I still liked her, like, as a diva, you know? But, like, but it seemed to me that basically Barbara's, like, creative fertile period was long gone before I came around, you know? Yeah. Whereas Bet, I mean, you know... I grew up with that as a movie star. And then when I was 12 beaches came out and before I even saw beaches or knew about beaches, every single radio station was playing the wind beneath my wings all the time. Mm. Like that was an inescapable number one, crazy dominating the world pop hit. Like later on, like, I will always love you, you know? Yeah. It like, it took over that summer or whatever that was, you know? Yeah. Um, and and then From a Distance was a really big hit too, you know? Mm-hmm. And that was a couple years later. So I think it's like, it's like one thing for you to know for a fact Barbara had pop a pop career, mm-hmm. but it's different to know something than to live through it in terms yeah. of that, you know? And, um I I was just thinking that when she was singing "Wind Beneath My Wings," it's like when Barbara sings "Evergreen." I might as well be watching her sing. I might as well be watching Patty sing "Don't Cry for Me" or something. You know, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. or not even don't. You know, or that's a bad example because of Patty. What you know, but like I might as well be watching Liz Callaway sing "The Story Goes On." <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah, it's like <laughs> this is like a really beautiful song that she sings better than anybody else. That she originated in something she did in the past. Yeah, you know, as opposed to like, oh, this song was my moment when I was twelve, and not just my moment because I'm weird and gay, but like my moment, like the whole world was
0: like living this song, you know? Yeah, yeah, that's a really interesting point. I mean, I mean, because there are songs that I, I mean, I, for me, those songs in my adolescence or whatever were, I mean, Celine Dion's "My Heart Will Go On." I mean, that's a totally, song that totally, I. I I remember I have such vivid memories of being at the skating rink on some sort of class field trip. Yeah. And that song came on and I lost my fucking mind, totally. you know, because it was this, it was just this pop culture moment. And I love the movie Titanic and, you know, I'm not that into Celine now, but I mean, she was at, at that time, like, Oh my God, Celine Dion was like a diva. And, and she was someone who, uh, you know, they had this hit song and I, as a young third grader, however, whatever age I was, was a part of that, you yeah, know? Yeah. Okay. So then the encore, I guess, is Glory of Love. Also from Beaches. Also from Beaches. I haven't seen that in so long. I need to give it a oh, I love that movie. Was that a musical as well? They did a musical adaptation? Uh, yes, but I don't, I think think that was misguided. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) well, I don't,
1: I don't, I say that, but I have no idea. But, um, but the first Wise Club to me feels like something that demands to be made a musical. Whereas Beaches, I'm like, oh, they're looking for projects. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And maybe it's a good idea. I mean, I actually, I was about to say I never read the book, but weirdly I actually did read the book. Oh, I didn't even know there was a book. Yeah. oh, The first Wise Club was a book too, actually. Right, right, right. You know what it is? Because Beaches already is a musical. That's why I'm annoyed by them making a musical out of Beaches. Yeah, I guess that's true. I mean, what does a musical mean? It doesn't have diegetic songs. You know, but like, right. like she's got like, I want my career on Broadway, but I also want to keep this marriage. You know, it's, <laughs> not, it's not like a musical. But like there's all these songs that are performed in the movie by Bette Midler that are part of what we love about it and what made us right. remember it, you know? Right, so, Under the Boardwalk, Glory of Love. Um, Industry Charity, "Auto Titsling." I mean, yeah. it was on i Still Got My Health, uh, uh, Baby Mine. I mean, it's really Baby a mine. lot of music, you know? Yeah, um, and uh, you know it's it's a different situation with um, First Wives Club, which is just screams to be a musicalized, but it's not a musical. I mean, yeah, they kind of sing that one song, but barely, you know,
0: barely. Yeah, one other thing I noticed about Bet that I love, Bet, you know, Bet really knows how to receive the love from the audience, and mm-hmm. she really takes it in, and you can tell it means something to her. Maybe not quite in in such a I don't know. When Liza receives the love from the audience and it's, I mean, she's a little overwhelmed by it, I feel. And, and it can get to a point where she's like, you know, okay, like I'm, I'm you know, let's continue. Bette is, is uh, as, when I saw Bet at Madison square garden, I remember her being like, please keep applauding. I'm a bottomless pit, you know, like I'll take it all. And I feel like Bet really kind of as, even as the concert goes on and progresses, it's like, she feeds off that applause and the love from the audience. And whereas someone like Barbara, I feel like the applause means nothing to her. You know, she just literally wants it to be over.
1: Well, I mean, it's also like, you know, Bet has been in show business in the sense of the business. I mean, you know, for all of Bette's, uh glamorous s- triumphs like this, Bet has had, um, You know, she played gigs that weren't sold out over the years. I mean, you know, Bet's been constantly touring in concert on and off for the last 40 years. And that's been how she's made her living. And there's been ups and downs. And she, you know, whereas I think Barbara is sort of like you know, she was a kid, she was struggling, she was fighting, all of a sudden she exploded like a supernova, and like, you know, for the most part, everywhere she's ever appeared since then has been like a global event, completely filled yeah. out, people mortgaged their houses and dropped dead to get there. <laughs> you know, So it's a little bit like, uh, okay, like, it's almost like she could take it for granted, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and it's weird to compare it with Liza because it's like, yeah. <laughs> I think with Liza, there's just so much else going on in terms of like her like mental and physical like yeah, well-being and, and like emotional yeah, the, state. Chemistry. And the and the audience, and I'm not saying at Bet or Barbara aren't crazy or fucked up or whatever. You know, maybe they are. But with Liza, it's such a part of what she does on stage. And the audience is so plugged into like Liza's like fragility, but also yeah. like triumph over fragility. And so, like, you know, every Liza performance is like you watch somebody perform open heart surgery and the patient lived <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: you know, yeah. or like to put a better spin on it, like a baby being born, you know, yeah. but like, it's just, everyone's gone through something together in Eliza's mm-hmm. show. Mm-hmm. And that's not what happens with better Barbara, you know? No, 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 not at all.
0: Anyway, but yeah, I, f- I'm so glad we watched that. I, you know, my, my love for bet has grown even more and, and especially this time of year, like I've always said, Beth is so summer for me. She's Fire Island. She's, you know, pounding the streets of New York, walking around, be-bopping to her tunes on my Spotify. Yeah. So um, anyway, listeners, you can find it on YouTube, or where do we watch it?: Daily uh, Motion. Daily Motion, which, by the or- way, there there is a Daily Motion app on
1: Apple TV and probably other uh, devices like Roku or whatever. So that made it easier to watch that version because that version was a little better than YouTube. Because I know sometimes if you try to do Daily Motion on your phone or your device or whatever, and then you want to like mirror it to your TV, it's just like yet another Wi-Fi connection to fuck you up. But you can actually do Daily Motion. Directly on the, the
0: TV And I you know At first I was like oh this isn't Crystal clear but it didn't really Distract me or bother me at all It quality. bugged me I'm really angry <laughs> I am so angry I, I actually I want to
1: I'm going to say this now but I'm going to Tweet it too to hopefully promote this fucking episode I'm going to say I can Forgive that Midler for supporting Mike Bloomberg but I cannot forgive her For not
0: making Diva Las Vegas Streamable yeah, yeah, or an album. Well, that's a that's another conversation. <laughs> one 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 uh, battle at a time. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. Well, thank you, listeners. Thank you, Benjila. Thank you, Daniel. And um, yeah, we'll see y'all soon.
1: Bye. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Ben Rimelauer's Broken Records on Broadway World. For more episodes, visit Broadway World, iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever podcasts do be. (laughs) And be sure to check out our new twice-weekly live stream video chat, Tuesday, Thursday, April, August. This episode was edited by me, Daniel Nolan. Thanks to Emmy-winning composer and lyricist Lance Horn for the Broken Records theme song. Follow us both, Ben Rimelauer and Daniel Nolan, on all y'all's socials. That's Ben Rimelauer, B-E-N... R-I-M-A-L-O-W-E-R. And that's Nolan with an E, not Nolan with an A. Because Nolan with an A is an A.